want to echo what Russell said. Thank you for allowing us to go to represent you, to be in front of people that are now, many of them, over 115 days in their homes without power, without water, um, just basic necessities. The, one of the families in here, because of the hurricane, they had lost all their jobs because what they did was wiped out because of the hurricane. So they are now unemployed and looking for a new, to start over. The family that, where the, was the lady with the two children, um, that was her house. They had rebuilt it that much since the hurricane. No power, no water, no screens on the windows. So inside the house was literally sleeping under mosquito nets. And if you weren't under mosquito nets, you were doing this the whole time. That's how they were living. Um, the lake that you saw... Um, where we were standing there on the dam and having conversation. That was the lake that was on the news. That was the lake where they said if the dam busts, it's going to go through the valley and it's going to wipe out people. Well, even though it did not burst, it did go over the banks. You saw where they were having, the Army Corps of Engineers was having to rebuild the spillway down there. But the estimated loss of life just down that valley with the water that did go through um, exceeds 1,000 people just right there. Um, people are still very much, when we were in San Juan, San Juan had water and power. As soon as we took off, uh, there was a notification that came across that said, where's the water? What's going on? Um, so it's still very much a, a, a land, an island in, um, in turmoil, still very much a people that need to be on our minds and need to be in our prayers. Uh, it was amazing to me. That little box, it was called the Messenger. Uh, it was in the video. It uh, was solar-powered, flashlight, radio, Bible, and messages. People were lining up. And you could, would not believe the hope, the smiles, the, the joy that they had of being able to hold that, knowing that there was a light that they didn't have to buy a battery for, a radio where they could get news, and a Bible that they could listen to after dark. Um, it blew me away. It was very, very humbling. So again, thank you. God bless you. Thank you for the opportunity to represent you. Thank you for the generosity that you have in giving so that those things are very much made possible. And can I tell y'all, I am excited about the next seven weeks at Mount Zion Baptist Church. I'm excited about going through the, and studying what on earth am I here for. Um, you're going to hear me make reference to this book, What on Earth Am I Here For? The Purpose Driven Life. I want to tell you that the book is available in the back. It's available in English and in Spanish. You can purchase those, read along, get ahead, and begin to, to understand why you're here I came across an interesting passage of Scripture. It's in the book of the Psalms. Go ahead and turn there with me. This is kind of a side note. Today is an introduction. And now for the next six weeks after today, we're going to talk about the purposes that God said, this is why you're here. But in Psalm 78, and beginning in verse 5, the psalmist began to write, for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. So it's talking about he, God, established the testimony. He, God, established 
a law for the people of Israel. And he made them known to our fathers, and he told the fathers to make it known to the children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. What this passage of Scripture just simply says is this, the eternal, never-changing God has made available to us His truth so that we who have the truth can give it to the next generation so that the next generations can discover their purpose for being on earth. Their purpose of being in the kingdom of God. Their purpose for living and breathing. And I want to tell you that you today are here. You today are here and hearing this so that you can discover God's purpose for your life and make it known to other people. So, what on earth am I here for? I am here to live my calling. Now, what we're going to do over the next weeks as we begin to explore and to study, we're going to realize that, that God laid out, I believe, six purposes. Five of them are in the book, and we're going to add the last one um, on the final week. But Based on what this book, this author, Rick Warren, has said, he said that we were made to worship. We just sung about it. We are here for God's pleasure. The first line in the first chapter of this book says, it is not about you. It is about God. It is about His pleasure, His purpose, His work, His name, His kingdom. So we're going to talk about worship, and we're going to, to try to learn how to express ourselves Every week, not just in the emotion of the hand in the air or the, the voice being elevated to a, to a higher level, although that is part of it. We're going to learn that when we wake up in the morning, we give God the day and we say, God, I want to use this day for your pleasure. So God says that we are made to worship. We're made to fellowship. We're made to have relationships with people. One of the comments that came over and over to us while we were in Puerto Rico it said that what used to not matter to us matters now. And they were talking about people. They were talking about relationships. Relationships. It's amazing. When you go into the city of San Juan, it's an, it's an amazing compilation of people in a very small amount of space. And the Walmart is three stories because everything goes up because there's not enough room to go out. And so people were living within literally conversations distance of one another, but they weren't connected. And after the storm, and when everything and it was all stripped away, people were interested in God, and they were interested in their neighbor. Have you noticed something that there seems to be an all-out assault on humanity right now to be divided, to be different, not to be together, to, to look for all the ways that we should not get along or all the ways that we should not hang out? Can I tell you that that is part of a master plan? It's part of Satan's master plan. He says that he comes to kill, he comes to steal, he comes to destroy. He comes to take away the very things that God said are so important for you as humanity. I am important to you, he said. We are important to one another. And you say, well, can you, can you give me something there that can prove that? Yes. 
when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and the teachers and the smart people of the day, and they were trying to trip him up, they were trying to make him look silly in front of his peers. He said, you know, there's a whole bunch of laws, Jesus, back there in the Old Testament. Out of all those 613 laws that are back there in the Old Testament, how about you give us the one that's the most important? And Jesus just, in the true Superman, pull your shirt open and say, I'm the man. Fashion looked at him and said, I tell you what, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God. And then he slipped in there and he said, in the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, if you'll love me and you'll love people, all the other 611 will fall in place. So what on earth am I here for? Man, I am here to worship. I am here to fellowship. I'm here to be in a lifestyle of discipleship. I need to be in a lifestyle that teaches me to be like Christ. If I'm going to represent Christ, I've got to know Christ. And the only way to know Christ is to get into the Word and begin to dig at it and hear what He has to say. Because right now there are competing voices. And those competing voices make compelling arguments. And those competing voices that make compelling arguments are causing people to commit to ways that are not pleasing to God. And we've got to hush the chatter. You know, noise reduction headphones. You know what I'm talking about? Those headphones you put on and the only thing you hear is what you want to hear. Well, the Word of God is a noise reduction headphone. The Word of God is something that we put on and when we put it in us and we put it around us and we begin to interact with people, we lose what does not matter and we begin to focus on what matters and it begins to transform how we live. So there's worship, there's fellowship, there's discipleship. Now you listen to me. When I'm right with God and when I'm right with people and when I'm in the Word of God, the next thing that is important to God is ministry. That's serving one another. I am here to worship. I'm here to fellowship. I'm here to be discipled. And I'm here to serve people. I'm here to be God's hands, God's feet, God's voice. Can I tell you that in Puerto Rico, a bottle of water in your hand, when we return the rental car at the airport in a major metropolitan area of the, what we would call the United States, the lady at the rental car place, there was an unopened bottle of water, and she said, do you want it? And Russell said, no, we can't take it through the airport. We're just going to leave it. She grabbed that bottle of water like it was gold. A bottle of water. How many times do you open a bottle of water, take a few swigs, set it down, and think, it's water? Man, it's serving people. It's worship, it's ministry, it's discipleship, it's fellowship, it's evangelism, it's reaching the unreached, telling people that there's hope. Then in the middle of all of it, there's life. And that life comes through the person of Jesus Christ. And we're going to add prayer. It's communicating with God. It's calling on God and saying, here is my need. It's calling on God and saying, God, here's my neighbor's need. It's calling on God and saying, Lord, I want to know you. It's calling on God and saying, 
Lord, I hear so many things going on and this and that is happening and this is being tweeted and that's being said on this side and that's being said on that side. God, you said you are truth and that you're not the author of confusion, that you are the way and the life. And God, I need to know way and I need to know life. And if I'm going to do that, i got to know you. So that's where we're headed. We're headed to a place that says in the middle of it all, this is how you live it out today in a way that's pleasing to God. So yes, so that the next generation will know. So that we can begin to live our calling. Romans 8.28 is a verse that probably most people in this room today could, could just stand up and say, Oh, it says this. And just you would rattle it out. But you know how it goes. It says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love Him. And we like to stop there. We like to stop there and say, Oh, that happened. God causes it to work together for good because I love Him. God causes this to work. When I hurt somebody, God causes this. When I'm the one that's hurt. When I'm the victim. When I'm the one where circumstances are not working out right. God's causing it all to work together for good. And, and oftentimes we stop there and we say, Oh, because we're called to love Him. But if you keep going, the second half of that verse says, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love Him and are called to His purpose. Now you see, that's a whole other level. Because God causes, go God, all things, woohoo, to work together, good, that's awesome. And I love Him, but see, it's more than just saying with my mouth, I love you, God. It's actually stepping into the arena of the fight and saying, and now I'm called according to your purpose, and I'm going to fight against untruth. I'm going to fight against evil. I'm going to fight against apathy. I'm going to fight against wandering. God, I am yours. And Lord, what you bring into my life, I'm going to embrace it, because now I'm going to go back to the first half that it says, and God causes all things. We can worship Him because of that. We can, we can love Him through that. But we take this word called because the Scripture tells us over and over again, if we are a child of God, we're called by God. So if calling is important, then we need to understand what it is. It's the Greek word kaleo, K-A-L-E-O. It means to be set apart, to be destined for a purpose. It means to be sanctified. It, it's used over and over, over a hundred times in the New Testament. And it's the reason that God created you. He created you to be called to serve Him. So kaleo, every one of you, if you're a child of God, you're not an accident, you're not a mistake, you're not junk. He calls us in all shapes and sizes, all socioeconomic brackets, all ethnicities. He's looking at it and says, I'm calling you to live as a family to serve me so others might know who I am. You know, really and truly, the Bible is literally the story of God calling people. It's God calling Noah to build a boat, and he does it. It's God calling Abraham and saying, go to a land, I will show you. It's God calling Moses and saying, set my people free. 
It's God calling Nehemiah and saying, rebuild a wall. It's God calling Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Hosea and Joel and David and Solomon. And in the New Testament, it's God calling Peter, Paul, and Mary to serve him. And if you got that, you're way too old now. (laughs) um, He did, but it's God calling people out. And what I want to tell you is just as he looked at Abraham and said, go to a land I will show you. He's looking today at Nephtali or Kenny or Eric or Roger. And he's saying, I am calling you. Say it with me. God's calling me. God's calling you. God's calling you to join him in his work in the kingdom. And you say, oh, I can never be a Joseph. I can never be a Mary. I can never be an Abraham. And I want to tell you, you already are. You already are. Because you're a child of God. And he has set you apart. As your pastor. My prayer for you for the next seven weeks is, is really Ephesians 1.18. Where it says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. It's that you will discover the glorious blessings that will be yours together with all of God's people. You know when we sing the song... Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. That's Ephesians 1.18. God, open the eyes of my heart. My mind is limited. My eyes are limited. My words are limited. My understanding is limited. But when God steps in and he enlightens and opens the heart of humanity, the impossible becomes possible. The forgotten becomes remembered. The unimportant becomes unbelievably important to us. So God enlighten us. God open us up so that we may know all the riches that are ours. So what do I need to know? If the scripture says that God has called, he's called every one of us, and that there's riches in that calling, that there's hope in that calling, then what do we need to know about it? And that's where I want to spend the bulk of our time today, if you will. So follow me in your outline, and I will try to repeat it enough so that you you know what it is. But number one is, my calling is a gift from God. My calling is a gift from God. I didn't do anything to earn it. I don't deserve it. I don't bargain for it. I don't barter for it. It's just a flat-out gift of God's grace. You received it because God wanted to give it to you. When He created me, He called me, and it is by His grace. Galatians 1.6 says to us, I marvel. Somebody make an I marvel face for me. If I marvel at something, what would I do? What would my expression be? (gasps) Lindsay, stand up and marvel for them one time. Like, wow, I have marveled at this. 
It is amazing. Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Paul says to the people of Galatia, Man, you have heard that God left heaven in the form of His Son, Jesus Christ, and He lived a sinless life. He died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb. He rose again so that you could have meaning and purpose and calling and hope in your life. And He says, I am amazed that even though you know that, that you are now turning away so quickly to a different gospel. Now, we need to understand, what is a different gospel? Oh, it could be a religion. It could be another system of belief. But you know, it could be comfort. It could be possessions. It could be knowledge. It could be relationships. You see, anything that I am placing in front of God, Paul says, I marvel that you're turning away. Because you have tasted. And it is good. Now, I have to tell you, I think that every one of us have been there. I think Paul wrote this to the church at Galatia because that was the time that he was living. But I believe that if he was living in 2018 in Jonesboro, Georgia, or even if he was living in 2018 at 297 Northwind Drive, which happens to be my address, I think there are times that he would look and say, I marvel that you have turned away so quickly. Because God himself gave you an amazing gift in the grace of Christ. He says, I marvel because you got this thing. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. In fact, if we want to understand what grace is, grace is undeserved kindness. And the totality of Scripture would teach us that before we experienced the grace of Christ, that we were enemies with God, aliens, not a part of the family. Not invited to the reunion kind of people. We were out there and God was over here. You remember in elementary school when they would, you would pick captains and then the captains would pick teams? And everybody was getting picked and said, man, I want Gordon and I want Nelson. And man, I think I want Gail. And, and then all of a sudden there's like one person left and somebody goes, oh, all right, y'all can have joy. <laughs> was it? Okay, sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to bring up the old pain. But let me tell you, in your pain, God called you. He said, you're not junk. I'm calling you out. You're on my team. And I thought of you when I was on the cross with my arms open wide. He said, that's what I did. He said, I called you. I wanted you to be with me. It's undeserved kindness. Grace is the fact that God knows every dumb mistake you're going to make in life and He still chose to create you. He knew what was going to happen to you no matter how hard it in life and He still chose to love you and redeem you and accept you as His own. He knew and He called. But understand this, your calling is also a part of your salvation. 
You say, oh, I'm saved, but I don't have a purpose. No, if you're born again, if you've accepted Christ, if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior and you are now a follower of Him, at the moment that He redeemed you, He called you. He called you to be in His service. He called, that reminds me, I just I had a question that popped in my head, so y'all got to forgive me. Y'all know how it works, right? I am just curious. Even if you currently do or have or something, is there anybody in this room that has played or does play an instrument? All right, so stand up. I want to see who you are. Like if you have or you do or you currently do. Like even now. So like, yes, even if you're already playing on the worship team. But if in the past you do, you have, or you, or you like to, or you remember you used to. Good gracious. That's like an orchestra. So, um, is that Elizabeth up there, or is that um, Olivia? Hey, Olivia, pan this room, because in case I go somebody soon, and they say, I didn't stand up, I'm going to say, oh, I got you. So, if you're standing up, turn, it's right up there, and wave big. I am here. How about this? If you're on Facebook Live, and you're just not here today, and you play, how about chime in? I got tunes in me, and we'll come get you, too. Yes, we will. Thank you. You may be seated. So, it's on video. You can go find them. Steve, y'all go get them because, whoo, we're going to have to build a stage bigger. Uh, I love it. Man, how do I know it's a part of it? Look at this. It says in 2 Timothy 1.9, who has saved us. Now, this is talking about Jesus. This isn't some random who did it. This is Jesus. It says, who has saved us and called us, saved and called, you get it? Like redeemed and put into action. Like you're on the first team. Like you get in the game. You're actually playing in the game. He says he saved you. He's called you. And then he just throws this crazy thing in there to me. With a holy calling. Not worldly. Not cheap. Not so-so. Not just okay, but he says with the pure shed blood of Jesus Christ. He like puts his mark on you. He says, I redeemed you, I called you, and it's more than just a, hey, come join me. It's a holy calling. It's yours. So, he says, it's a part of it. He says, not only am, is my calling a gift from God, number two I am called for God's purpose. God's purpose. I told you earlier, the first line of the first chapter, not the first line in the book, but the first line in the first chapter says, it is not about you. It is all about God. You see, as humanity who live in a humanistic society, who live in a society that is becoming more and more vehemently opposed to the purpose of God. You're being taught through media, through social media, through entertainment and other things that you need to wake up every day and be happy because it's all about you. And I want to tell you something. Following God is the greatest decision I ever made in my life. 
But following God has been some of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. But when you understand that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who loved Him and are called according to His purpose, then you begin to understand your pain is with, with, with a reason, and God can use your pain for His glory to help somebody else along the way and to conform you to His image. So think about it this way. You're just a block of humanity. And it's a nice block of humanity. It's a block of humanity that's created by God, but it's not perfected yet. So at that moment when you accept Christ to be your Savior, and He says, I have redeemed you, saved you, and now I'm calling you. When you look at Jesus and say, Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. Jesus, come into my life and redeem me rescue me from hell but you're also saying Jesus I want you to make me into what you want me to be so Jesus the great sculptor pulls out the chisel Jesus the great sculptor pulls out the mallet and he begins to go whoa I don't think that fits my purpose and sometimes that comes in moments where we go yes like I really believe the day that that I became a father, that was a chiseling moment because now it was about something other than me. It was about caring for. That was a joyous moment. But man, there have been moments in my life when I made decisions and I made choices and God said, Ooh, I don't want that. And I think he took an extra big chisel and an extra big hammer. I think he missed one time and hit me upside the head on purpose. But he started chiseling and he said, Ooh, that's got to go because I want you like me. And you got to understand that this God life, this Jesus coming to my heart, while it feels good while you're walking down that aisle and when you're being baptized into that water, it's also permission for Him to make you into the person that He designed you to be. See, it is His purpose. It's His calling. I'm living for Him. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ, to do good works, which God prepared in advance. That word workmanship, it's the Greek word poema. Oh, you didn't know you were a poem, did you? Yes, you did. Miss Kathy did. I saw it. She raised her hand quick. She knew the word. But listen to me. It's the word poema. God's workmanship, God's masterpiece, God's writing. I mean, I mean, I know a poem, please, Adam had them. But listen to me. God says that you're much more than just a little pun, that you are some of the deep stuff. And he says, I'm going to keep working and I'm going to keep writing. He says, because it's appointed for you once to be born and for you once to die. And he says, in between that, from that moment to that moment, that little dash is God writing a poem about, through you, about himself. Your workmanship, you're a masterpiece, you're God's poem. You say, I don't think I'm a masterpiece. You say, <laughs> junk well I want to tell you something I don't believe Jesus I, I know I know on the authority of God's word Jesus didn't die for junk scripture says he died for you 
And he says, you are worth me leaving the splendor of heaven to come live in this mess that we call earth that does not know me and is not about me. He said, I'm going to leave that to get you out. I'm going to rescue you. I'm called for God's purpose. For good works that were determined before you were born. You say, is God making my life up on the fly? Oh, no, He is not. He created you. You're His masterpiece to do good works, to do the things that He knew would happen before you were born. You are part of a plan. God's plan. And that plan is to know Him, to worship Him, to live with Him, to be transformed, to be like Him, and then to go tell other people about it. You say, Pastor, you're not giving me anything yet I don't already know. So is there value to me sitting in this? Is there value to me understanding? Well, I want to ask you a question. If you've already got it, then you need to raise your hand and say, praise the Lord. And then you need to read the rest of the scriptures that says, and go get somebody else and bring them with you so they'll get it. I'm called for God's purpose. God chose my calling before I was born. It's a gift from God. I'm called for His purpose, not mine. And my calling was before I was born. That's number three. Galatians 1.15 says, But when it pleased God. So what does that mean? When it pleased God. Read the next line. I think it says, He separated me from my mother's womb. When your appointed time to enter this earth as a living, breathing, viable human being outside of the womb, when it pleased God, so when God knew it was going to happen, it says when He pleased Him, He separated you from your mother's womb. In other words, you came out, mama goes, ah, doctor goes, baby goes, wah. At that moment, when that happened, God said, at that moment, I called you, and let's keep reading, because he says, when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, it pleased God in his kindness to choose us. It pleased God in his kindness to call us before we were born. What undeserved mercy. The God who knows and understands everything. I mean, there's not one moment that you can hide from Him. It says that He did it anyway. It just blows me away. Oh, it blows me away. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. Just say set apart. I set you apart. I uniquely shaped you you're a custom-made baby I mean think about that it wasn't like this little stamp that was like this mound of humanity was going by and it went and we came out no there's the craftsman the the one the poem writer is sitting there and he's making a masterpiece and that masterpiece is you how many of y'all got your phone with you today? I know y'all love to play with them in church. Go ahead and take it out, put it on the camera, turn it on selfie. Take that picture right now and say, I'm a masterpiece. I mean, you are like Mona Lisa to Jesus. 
That is an amazing thing to me. But that's what he says. We were created. Isaiah 44, 2, he says, I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. Do you get it? Do you understand it? Do you understand the length that God went to to just have you here? Number four, my sins and my mistakes don't change my call. Now, you've got to follow me here. This one, this one gets a little past feel good, okay? But stay with me. Because one of the things that Satan will do to the body of Christ, to the redeemed person or the person that's on the very edge of stepping out and saying, I want to give my life to Christ. He will throw up in your face. You can't come to God. He knows who you are. You can't come to God. He knows what you did. You can't come to God. He knows what you think. And I know he loves everybody else, and I know what the Scripture says, but he didn't mean you. And that's a lie. Because the Scripture says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him does not perish but has everlasting life. Romans 5, 8 says, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You cannot get so far from God that you can't come back to God through the blood of Christ when there is confession, repentance, surrender to Him. So, you... Your sins and your mistakes do not change your call. Now listen to me. Your sins and mistakes have consequences. Your sins and mistakes may affect your opportunities. But it doesn't change your call. Gail and I were listening to a video of a man that had it all. The great job, the good education, uh, the big house, the nice pay, the the attractive family, the, all of those things. He had it all. But he had a secret. From 11 years old, he was addicted to pornography. And in that addiction to pornography, it began to take, take control of his life to the point that not only was it affecting his mind, it began to affect his behavior. It affected his behavior to such a way that he lost his family. That doesn't change God's call on his life. In fact, he had to alter his call. There's things he couldn't, he wasn't married anymore. He had to restore a relationship with the next wife. He had to restore a relationship with sons. He had to do these things. But now he spends his life going around to college campuses telling young men and now a growing number of young women about the dangers of pornography. The Unbelievable dangers of internet pornography and the damage and the pain. And the latest statistic says that 90% of men and a growing number of women are affected by pornography. Now that means if I had 10 men stand up in this room, 9 of us would have to sit down and 1 of us would, only be, would be the one standing. Your sins and mistakes do not affect your, do not change your call. It may affect your call, 
But whether you messed it up or somebody messed it up, no matter how dumb you've been in the past, it hasn't changed. Because God says, I am causing all things to work together for the good of those who love the Lord, who are called according to His purpose. So if I am in a place where I've blown it, I've got to come to God and say, cleanse me, forgive me. I have to go to people and say, forgive me. We have to live a lifestyle of repentance. And we have to come to him. And the scripture says that God can restore the years the locusts have eaten. This man did not get his family back. This man's family is still, he's not married to this lady. In fact, she's remarried. But God has given them a relationship where they can parent together, where they can, there can be peace. And there's a good thing, and he is now living his life. You still have a call on your life. You don't get to go to the sidelines and say, God can't use me, God doesn't want me. I don't know what it'll look like, but God still wants to use you for his glory. I think about the Apostle Paul, 1 Timothy 1, 12 and 13. I think Christ Jesus our Lord who is enabled, just here called, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a, pers- a persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Paul was a terrorist. Paul was a religious terrorist. And in his mercy, but when he was born way back here, he knew who Paul was going to be and he knew what Paul had done. And was going to do. But in that, he still met him on the road to Damascus and called him to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. This man that I told you about, his choices affected his life, but his call to live for Christ and to glorify Christ did not change. He had to alter it. He may not even like the results of it, but God continues to use him. Your sin doesn't change the fact that you have a call on your life when you accept Christ. You're, the sin of others does not affect the call on your life when you, you find yourself in Christ. Y'all remember Chuck Colson? Chuck Colson was, um, was an aide to President Nixon in Watergate. And he went from the, the White House to the jailhouse. And while he was in jail, he looked around and realized how many of these men were without hope and desperate and desolate. And he already was a believer. His choices had not been good choices. And he wound up in a place that he shouldn't have been. And he wound up serving time in jail. But while he was there, he began to, to, to look and see the need of prison ministry. And now, there's, because of him, there's prison ministry all over the world. Didn't change his call. And I don't know that he would have written the script. The way it was. But in it, God caused it to work together for good. So I want you to do me a favor. Um, On your outline, off to the side, I want you to write the word learn. L-E-A-R-N. Just straight up and down. And just leave yourself a little room to, to write out some thoughts on the side. But how do we, how do we do this? When we find ourselves as failures, when when we find ourselves having been failed, when we find ourselves going, God, I don't know my purpose, and and God, what are you wanting me to do with my life? I want you to to think about this. Take that word learn, L-E-A-R-N, and I want you to, to think about this. Listen to God's word every day. So L is listen. God, I'm listening to you. God, I want to hear what you have to say to me. God, I want to go to your truth. I'll listen to it, I'll read it, 
I'll, I'll hear what other people have to say about it. But God, I want to listen to you. I want to enlist, that's the E, I want to enlist accountability, enlist friends to walk beside me. I want to listen to God's word. I want to enlist friends to walk beside me. Because the cord of three strands, right, is not easily broken. I want to open myself up to other people. I want to make myself available to them. I want to be there to, to talk with them. And I want to be there for them to give them permission to speak into my life. So I want to listen to God's word. I want to enlist friends. I want to ask questions and accept correction. I want to ask questions and I want to accept correction. Because I'm going to tell you something. For, for many people, not everybody, but for many people, we don't normally see ourselves as wrong. We don't normally see ourselves as out of control. You know what I'm talking about? We get into the middle of something and we think, oh, I've got this. This is not bigger than me. This is just a little blip on the radar and it's never going to control to me. But here's the truth. I have lived and I have seen a lot of people living thinking they had it under control and it was just about to take them out. In fact, one of the things the man told us on the video was he thought if you put his addiction to pornography on a scale of 1 to 10, he would have told you, oh, maybe it was a 2 or 3, but he had it. It was okay. And then one day, he realized that what he thought was a two or three, even though God had put warning signs in his life and people into his life, what he thought was a two or three on a scale of one to ten was actually a nine or maybe a ten plus. And what he had thought he had under control wiped him out. Man, there are people living right now in this room thinking, I've got this, I've got it, it's no big deal, I don't need help. And we're thinking, our choices are right and our decisions are good, and they are not. So we listen, we enlist, we ask, we remember. We, we remember the pain of our low moments. We remember the promises of God because we've been listening to it every day. We remember the warnings that God put into our life when people came by and said, Hey, you know, we remember. And then the end is kind of simple. Now do it. Just do it. Don't sit here every week, life spinning out of control, and you think, Oh, I've got this, nobody notices. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And this is, we are a family. We are to come together. And we've got to knock down the walls that Satan is superficially building around us and say, God has called us to be family. God has called us to be a community. God has called us to be a body. And he will not have victory in this place. Because much is at stake. Do I have one left? Do y'all agree with me? Excellent. Let me read this passage and then I'll give you the last one. This is what Paul was praying for the church at Thessalonica. It's 2 Thessalonians 1.11. 
He said, this is why we always pray for you. I don't think I put that in the outline. You may need to write that down. 2 Thessalonians 1.11 This is why we always pray for you. Asking our God to help you. Do we need help? I need help. We're asking God to help us live the kind of life He called you to live. In my strength, in my power, by my own account, accounts, I cannot live the life that God called me to live. I need you praying for me. God, strengthen him, empower him so that he will live the life that you've called him to live. I need to pray for you. God, strengthen them, empower them so that they will live the life that you have called them to live. Um, um, we pray. This is Paul again. We pray that with His power, God will help you to do the good things you want and perform the works that come from your faith. Notice, do the good things, perform the works. God will give you the power. And here's the last one. This is number eight. There's a prize for living out your calling. How many of y'all like prizes? Man, I love cereal boxes and Cracker Jack boxes as a kid, okay? Because I didn't care what the cereal was. I went down the aisle looking for the prize. And when I got home, even if I wasn't hungry, I opened the cereal box wide, reached my hand, and fished it all the way down to the bottom to pull out the prize. It was always a disappointment. But I want to tell you about this prize that God says. It's not a disappointment. In fact, it reads like this in Philippians 3.14. I press towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. Paul said, all this stuff I've already told you about myself. He says, this thorn in the flesh, these choices that I made as a a religious zealot, all of these things that I've done. He says, I'm separating myself from those things and I am pressing onward. I'm pressing forward for the prize that is mine because I was called by God and He prepared it for me through Christ. What is the prize? The prize is that you get to share in everything that God has in heaven. You get to share in His kingdom. You get to share in His inheritance. You get to share in His glory. You get to share in His power. Because of Christ and God's call on you, you get to share in that. So what on earth am I here for? I am here because I am called by God to serve Him, to know Him, and to make Him known to other people. We're going to talk about the different ways in the weeks that come ahead of us on that. But this morning, for one moment, I'm going to ask you to do something. Not out loud, but just inside. I want you to be honest with God. I'm not asking you to be religious. I'm not asking you to try to impress God with your biblical knowledge. I just want you to be honest with Him. And let's start with this question. God, have I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior? God, 
Am I willing to let you control my life? Am I willing to let you interrupt my life? God, am I willing to believe what you say about me? You know, here's the truth. In some of those questions, we may have immediately said, oh yes, I know the answer. Boom, here it is. But you know what I find in my life? That there are some things that I'm, I'm not willing yet. I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to tell you the truth. I'm, I'm not willing. And then my prayer has to be, God, I, I'm, at this moment, I don't know that I'm willing, just, but I'm willing to be made willing. I'm willing for you to come into my life and, and work. I'm willing for you to redirect my thoughts. I'm willing, to, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to quit being selfish and to be unselfish and to trust you. I'm willing to trust you. I'm willing to trust your plan. So, Father, here we are. We're here with a whole lot of information that if embraced can lead to transformation. We're here with Really, at an intersection, we must decide. You said it, choose today who you serve. We must decide what we're going to do now. What's next? How am I going to, to go forward because I'm responsible for the truth that I know? So I begin with thanks. God, thank you that you've made provision for us. Jesus, thank you that you were willing to be that provision, that you were willing to say in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, nevertheless, not my will, God, but your will be done. And Jesus, thank you that you went to that cross, endured the pain, publicly lived out the shame, willingly gave up your life, Letting a whole lot of people think they had won. And Jesus, thank you that before any one of us in this room was born, you knew us. We were not an accident. And you called us out. God, my prayer, if there's one that does not know you, has not yet made that decision to follow you, God, would you let them recognize what has already happened, that you have called them out, that they would come and say, today's the day I want Jesus in my heart. God, for the one that has been the victim of others' pain, God, would you set them free and let them see that you are there for them that you have a purpose that you haven't forgotten them that your calling is holy God for the offender Lord would you cause him to surrender cause him to say forgive me and cleanse me to repent and to begin to walk towards you 
Lord, for broken relationships and families. God, today, would it be the first day towards a, a reunion? God, for those living in addiction, God, you said that you have come to set the captives free. And that's all addiction is. It's a jail. And God, you have said that you have come to set the captives free. So God, through the blood of Christ this morning, we boldly ask, will you set us free? Would you break the grip of fear? grip of addiction, the grip of hurt and pain, and enable us to become an out loud body of Christ, proclaiming the good news to those we meet. In this part of our service, we use it as a time to respond. You've asked God some questions or you've allowed God to ask you some questions and you've answered those if those answers or those and anything in that says I need to make a decision for salvation or surrender for baptism or church membership or I need prayer because it's greater than I am then when we stand and sing I invite you to come because you are called God's ready to work could we knock down the walls and let him do it today Lord, let it be so in Jesus' name. Amen.